We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Wednesday, the fifth day of October, the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams and a very special guest, but I will get to him in just a minute. Bruce, how are you today? Healthy and alive, as usual. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. And joining us for a second week, Weston from CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Weston, how are you? Doing great. How are you, Johnny? I'm doing fantastic. It's a great day on Wall Street, isn't it? Yeah. We're having a yeah. having a great yeah big biggest uh, biggest rally in like three years yeah it's <laughs> it's wonderful I can't tell you how many IQ points I lost today just watching the financial networks on TV they were talking about climate change inclusivity sustainability equity the war in Ukraine of uh, like uh, all this stuff like how Vladimir Putin is like the most evil thing since sliced white bread and how the markets were doing great, but they were ignoring all the bad stuff. They they were conveniently just kind of pushing all that stuff out of the way. Don't pay any attention to the jobs report. Don't pay any attention to uh, the Fed doing repo buybacks. Don't pay any attention to Credit Suisse that's literally about to collapse and have their Lehman Brothers moment. No, don't pay any attention to the Chinese market that is in the toilet. Don't pay any attention to any of that. But hey, we're having record gains on the stock market today. Isn't that great? No, none of that is like connected to reality. OPEC's supposedly going to cut 2 million barrels a day. Uh, excuse me, 2 million barrels from production starting tomorrow. That's their expected announcement. And the market goes up. And then they bring on some buffoon that says this announcement that they're talking about cutting 2 million barrels a day, that's going to be great for energy sustainability. What? Are, are you are you people even living in the real world at all? Like th this is, I felt, I, I literally told myself this, I felt more stupid when I finally turned the TV off. I said, I can't watch this anymore. I just can't do it. Anyway, that was my afternoon. Yeah, it was interesting. You mentioned that they're so disconnected from reality. It reminded me of Alan Greenspan. Uh, Alan had mentioned this, you know, several times before. How uh, he was a former Fed chairman who actually you know, subscribed to a Kantian a sort of, you know, a subgroup of the Kantian philosophy, where basically nothing that you perceive through your senses is actually real. It's all in your head, sort of idea. And so, you know, I'm thinking maybe maybe some of these people uh, on these on uh, Bloomberg and so on, these markets, maybe they're into that philosophy. <laughs> I don't know. So thought. You know, I I um, heard out. It's I, I haven't heard from Alan Greenspan in in years, obviously, because he's getting up there in age and he's kind of you know taking a back seat. But about ten years ago, uh, he was back out making statements uh, because of the the financial crisis, you know, the 08 thing. And so he was a known face from the past. You know, he was a former Fed chairman, right. as you said. And they brought him back because people had known him and people trusted his word and his action and all that stuff. And uh, he was actually he was given a um, a position in the Obama administration when he was on Meet the Press with Dan Gregory and Austin Goolsby. I will never forget this so long as I live. Dan Gregory, who's who was the host at the time, asked him, are U.S. Treasury bonds still safe to buy? And Greenspan, with a straight face, sat there on Meet the Press and he says, Absolutely. United States can pay any debt that it has because it can always print money to do that. And I just like I sat there with my jaw hanging open. Goolsby, who was sitting next to him, also had his jaw hanging open like, no, you <laughs> you can't do that. That's what we've been doing ever since. It, it doesn't matter how yeah. many or how much in losses we have. We're just printing money. Yeah, it's a giant con. And of course, the idea is, is you're not even going to be on paper money forever. And you're trying to get out of the paper system and into the digital one anyway. So, you know, they don't care about maintaining the system of paper money anymore. Anyways, I was reading an article. It was interesting because you know, all this talk about, you know, fuel poverty coming up this winter and so on. It, got, it made me remember that the World, what was it, World Bank, they were talking about the coming food crisis in the future back in 2010. I, so I looked up. I had a search for that and you know, read some articles. I found an article in from Foreign Policy magazine, which is like a offshoot of the Washington Post by John Podesta. 
I think he was made famous by Project Veritas. Probably a lot of people we, haven't heard that name before. We were just talking about it. But he it, was talking. <laughs> oh, I haven't even listened to that talk He's yet. the new but climate anyways, czar yeah. for the Biden administration, if you didn't know. Interesting. Okay, I was reading from an yeah. article from him from 2010. He was t- saying that because of climate change, back then, in 2010, they were going to need somewhere around 75 to $100 billion a year for you know food security you know for all the developing countries in the world and so on and you know uh, and it's because in order for, and all because of the changes of damaged in infrastructure and disease and so on i was thinking you know you know alan always mentioned you know in cop the the conference of parties that they had in 2019 they'd said you know climate change isn't working nobody believes it anymore there's too many people out there talking about how it's how much how, all the nonsense behind it and so what they did was that they switched? To, of course, they had bring out the COVID, and of course, that then all the sustainability, and they had to build back better, which wasn't just in the United States. The International Development Association, which I think is like a subgroup of the World Bank, like a subsidiary of it or something, they also had the their own build back better thing. And it's for it's all for sustainability and greening. Like we all have to, you know, it's all transitioning to a green economy sort of thing for the whole world. It's not just a, you know, it wasn't just the United States. It was just a, a Biden administration thing. Um, they always do that because. Uh, you know, you you they always want, you're supposed to believe you have a country still. You know, I mean, maybe you did have a country at some point, but certainly you haven't had one for many years. And they always pretend that you know it's just in your country that something's happening. They don't tell you, you know, all these other countries is also doing it. You know, but yeah, they, so they had the Build Back Better, and then of course uh, they're back into climate change now. It's like as you were saying, Johnny, with the on Bloomberg, you know, today they they're you know back. You know, we have to be green and we have to be resilient for the future and so on. So we have to, you know, change our energy sources for everything. And basically, I mean, the agenda is right on track, you know, and it, it involves lots and lots of poverty and lots and lots of people dying, especially without children. And uh, I mean, well, that's, that's the whole I guess if you're, for you. Yeah, I, I guess if you're going to, yeah, yeah, I guess if you're going <laughs> to run the, uh, the scam of climate change, if you're going to do that, at least the man-made climate change thing. I mean, the climate is constantly changing. The only constant is change. But you remember they used to call it global warming. But when there wasn't any global warming, they had to change it to something you couldn't deny. They had to change it to climate. Are you denying the climate's changing? Well, no, it changes all the time. Well, see, you believe in climate change then. It's another way of them flipping the argument back onto itself. This is the who is this this is the un secretary for global communication and she says that uh, she's speaking at the world economic forum this is the sustainable development impact meeting of 2022 uh, and she says that they have partnered with google and they own the science on climate change listen to this you know we partnered with google for example if you google climate change you will at the top of your search you will get all kinds of un resources we started this partnership when we were shocked to see that when we Googled climate change, we were getting incredibly distorted uh, information right at the top. So we, we're becoming much more proactive. Um, you know, we own the science and we think that the world, you know, should know it. And, and the platforms themselves also do. Um, but again, it's, it's, it, it is, um, it's, it's a huge, huge challenge that I think all sectors of society need to be very active in. And just to kind of uh, throw on uh, throw up there on top of that uh, today, the uh, the headlines, you know, that scroll across the bottom of the screen, you know, the ticker that that you see on a lot of these these uh, financial networks on TV. Uh, they were saying that uh, at least on Bloomberg, they were saying, and I'm sure you see this on like the CNBC networks and all the other you know Fox Business and all that stuff. The tech companies such as uh, TikTok, Pinterest, uh, Facebook, Twitter, the, these companies, the usual suspects, Instagram, all that stuff, they're under increased pressure to regulate hate speech from disinformation surrounding climate change. Bruce, go ahead. It's a part of the agenda that they've talked about. What we, we heard what CNN was talking about, right? They said that the, the future is to be uh, climate change and all of that in their, in their programming. So having social media jump on board uh, and, and, you know, censoring this, and it's no surprise. You look at the gatekeepers or the fact checkers, that's who they are. It's CNN. It's it's Reuters. It's AP. Whatever they 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 all do it. Washington Post. They all do the fact checking. Uh, and and the social media companies can be like, oh yeah, see, it's not us. We're not the ones doing it. So yeah, it's just it's just part of the next rhetoric push that they're gonna have. Um, it, it's again to keep you um keep you on your heels. 
Yeah, I mean, there's been so many exposés on climate change now, like showing, you know, solar activity corresponds, like the number of sunspots, for example, corresponds with, you know, uh, warming and cooling periods and so on. That they, and, you know, other th- other exposés on, you know, CO2 generally, you know, rises uh, after the warming, not before the warming and so on. So stuff like that. And so they, they so they brought out the COVID-19 pandemic and, you know, they just sort of, not that they sort of used it to ram it through basically from what i can tell you know all the greening stuff sdgs and so on and they're still fully intended by the way despite uh increasing debt despite increasing poverty like for the first time i forget in how long in 2020 global poverty increased you know like you know supposedly according to the world bank but yet they're still going to bring out the sdgs even though these sdgs cost hundreds upon hundreds of billions of dollars not trillions of dollars actually trillions in order to implement and so it's like well okay well how are you going to get all that money without making tons and tons of people poor you know, and uh, it's just insanity. But it is uh, the thing is, it's not supposed to make sense because the elite have always they have no intention of letting, you know, uh, people be free and prosperous and, and multiply. You know, you're, you're supposed to be die off. Exactly. With the Great Reset, with the uh, which supposedly you're not supposed to say now, by the way, the Great Reset, supposedly really? you're not supposed to say that YouTube apparently uh, and Twitter both when you upload videos, they're algorithms catch you saying that now and will shadow ban you more or less is it a conspiracy uh, theory yeah they're, they're saying that's disinformation misinformation talking about the great reset that's not actually a thing even though um, klaus schwab said them. it over and over even and over though, again yeah, and yeah. he has a book called yeah. the covid 19 the great reset and like yeah like yeah. even even though they say it it's it's a conspiracy theory. It's it, it's a conspiracy theory. Yeah, it's it's misinformation. Well, it, it's it's not a conspiracy theory when Klaus Schwab says it because he's saying it for our own good. Whereas right. you know, when we're saying that it's not for our own good, that's what makes a conspiracy theory. You see, it, exactly. It's, it's it's misinformation. What we're talking about and what Klaus Schwab is talking about is the, uh, you know, what what's best for us. You had mentioned the increase in poverty and everything uh, mm-hmm. globally. Uh, right. That's fully the intent. Uh, we've we've talked about it before. The intention, see, to have a global currency, you have to have all the nations kind of more or less the same uh, economically. Uh, and this ESGs that are, or the Great Reset, they're trying to institute a currency among the West and some of the developing nations. It's too difficult to bring up a nation right to to the same levels as. Uh, America, Europe, uh, the UK even. Now, currently, the pound, the euro, and the dollar are all really close to the same uh, worth. So I, I'm expecting them to push a digital currency. Now, I don't think it's going to be a digital currency that will completely replace the dollar right now, like physical currency. They're just going to push it out there and get people desensitized to it and and kind of... Kind of like what they did with Obamacare. They they put it out there. They get people hooked on it. They get people interested. And then the Republicans are like, we're going to repeal and replace. And then they realize the population is they've they've waited too long. The population is now addicted to the free health care that we get now with Obamacare, quote unquote, uh, that actually costs 10 times more than it used to. But anyway, they, they, they're like, well, we can't we can't take millions of uh, people's health care away from them by abolishing Obamacare. So. Uh, we're, we're just not going to do anything. And it's going to be the same thing with this currency change. They're going to be like, well, we can't, this will destroy people's pensions. We can't, we can't get, uh, so uh, we'll, we'll just go along pensions with it. And then eventually it'll be, it that's matter. all it'll be. I, I agree. Yeah. But the, the thing is, is people still believe they have their pensions. True. Whether or not yeah, it's, true. they're truly there or not, it doesn't matter. They, they think it is. Uh, very, and go ahead. Uh, I said, that's a very interesting point that you were, I was going to say, yeah, that's a very interesting point you're making because, uh, you know, I was just reading a World Bank uh, report. I think they put it out in April 2021 or something when COVID lockdowns first started and not long after that. And they were saying that, you know, uh, com- companies that uh, and I think I, the World Economic Forum, again, you know, they have their little economist reports that they put out recently. I think they also mentioned this point. You know, the, the people, companies with a digital infrastructure are going to do better than the country co- companies that don't have it. You know, digital payment systems and so on up. You know, the COVID lockdown really accelerated that, you know, the adoption of, you know, being online, Zoom, using Zoom, uh, and of using digital payment uh, processing rather than, you know, cash and stuff and contactless payments. Um, and so that whole, basically, you know, once you've got, well, since COVID got people used to doing that, 
these companies are never going to let go of that. They're always going to keep it. And, and, you know, and people are just, you know, are already adapted to it. So they've already got, you know, a, a large you know, part of that agenda through. Because a lot of developing countries, especially, a lot of them wouldn't even need to take, you know, they just to take cash, you know, before COVID. But, then, you know, it's increasingly digital payment processing. And then, of course, once you have a digital payment systems up, what does it matter if you're, you're transferring, you know, some blip that's called a U.S. dollar or you're transferring some blip that's called, you know, uh, you know, some digital uh, currency or cryptocurrency or whatever. So, yeah, we've, we've definitely taken a huge step uh, forward towards, uh, you know, cashless type society. Here's a couple other points um, that I wanted to cover, so, you know, since we're kind of talking about the, the digital currency side of things. First of all, I, I had made the point a couple of weeks ago or, or a couple of days ago, whatever. I don't know. It's I, like these things all run together. But uh, we've been talking privately offline. I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, what are you going to do about the people that run black market deals across the world now? What, what are you going to do about organized crime groups? What are you going to do about uh, drug traffickers? What are you going to do about uh, human traffickers? What are you going to do about weapons uh, runners, you know, gun runners, arms dealers, these kinds of things? All this stuff revolves around cash, mountains and mountains of cash untraceable amounts of cash. Are you suddenly going to cut all these people out of the economy that you want to bring in? Now, I'm not saying that a, a digital currency is is going to be um, uh, successful. I think they're going to try it, of course. But quite mm -hmm. frankly, gentlemen, that's not a group of people that I would want on my front doorstep. I wouldn't want to be a central banker anywhere in the world if you're planning on cutting those people out. Those people will annihilate your entire family line just for inconveniencing them. That's one point that I have. The other point that I have is, um, don't we have an energy crisis? So we're going to have digital infrastructure based on what energy? So those those are my two pushbacks. And and those are those are valid pushbacks. And I've heard other places talking about those pushbacks as well. Uh, and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm curious. I mean, we, we can go down that road. And then um, it goes to reason. I bring those points up because of the point you wanted to talk about, Weston. Um, I've got the uh, the phone call. Uh, that we wanted to go over uh, with Alan, but we'll talk about this first, right. and then we'll we'll get into that. All right. Yeah. So I think uh, if you understand the basic intention behind uh, you know technocracy, the idea you have to be every all energy consumption has to be under surveillance. It has to be monitored. You know, because that's part of the reason why they had the smart meters. It, it's so the idea is you got to be constantly monitored. So you got to know exactly how much energy you're using and what you're using it on. Expect you know that's the reason why. Of course, a lot of uh, Places are now don't even use natural gas for their stoves and so on. They're using or heating. They're just using pure electricity, you know, because electricity that way, because if everything's electric, I mean, I only used to call it the trick of electric, you know, it's just easier to monitor that way. So you, you're constantly surveilled on what energy you're using and what you're using it on, how much and so on. And then they're going to, you know, they're going to start limiting it. Like you already saw that with the thermostats this summer in Colorado, you know, they were, they, they, they locked it at, you know, 78 degrees or something, you, you couldn't, so you couldn't use it for any uh, colder than that. You can't charge your car, uh -huh. go buy the electric car, then you can't charge it. It's the same yeah. thing. Yeah. And so the whole idea is you got to cut, you know, they is to take control over energy consumption and stop, force people to stop using less of it. Because you know, I think Bill Gates said in a podcast, I think it was a Bloomberg Zero podcast, in fact, you know, not too long ago that uh, he hasn't, he, he sincerely, you know, doesn't believe that people are going to convince people are going to be convinced to stop eating meat and get a smaller home, not live in such a big home and, and stop driving their cars. You know, he doesn't believe he's going to convince anybody of that. But he just says, you know, we got to use green innovation. So lots of green technologies. You know, I think that reminded me of B.F. Skinner's about behaviorism, where he says, you know, the simplest way to change somebody's behavior is to alter their environment by, like, for example, putting a new technology in there. For example, a TV that massively changed people's behavior when the TV came out and was inserted in their environment. So, you know, you put these new smart thermostats that automatically lock, you know, the temperature and so on, you know, this is how you decide you force people to change. And this, and also he said, uh, you know, of course you, you automatically add the costs of the, you know, how much carbon is released or how much energy was put into that product. You just like tack on like a tax for that, like a carbon type tax thing, or maybe not necessarily carbon tax, but just like an energy tax uh, make things cost more. There's also that route as well that he mentioned. So, you know, uh, Basically, once you get once you have that overview, you realize, of course, they're going to try to go digital as much as possible, especially for the lower class. And now that may not that doesn't mean I mean, the, the, now I don't know if this is true or not, but Alan would say, you know, the, the same people who run the overworld run the underworld. And so they may have, you know, be on a completely separate system, gold and silver system or whatever on, on the upper class. But as far as the lower class is concerned, they want you completely just, you know, digital and uh 
constantly under surveillance and monitored and limited. Uh, you know, be, you have to go because you're you're not you can't be produ- you can't be consuming more than you produce. You got to produce more than you consume. That's for the definition of a good citizen according to the United Nations. And, you, and they know you won't willingly do that, especially if you're sick or something. You can't produce more uh, more than you consume. So you know they have that's the reason why. And of course, it, increasingly euthanasia has been uh, stepped up in Canada. It's been stepped up in Holland. Even for things like depression and so on. Suicide Switzerland as well, yeah. In Switzerland now, uh, or the Netherlands, right. or and one so, of those countries, they're promoting the, the you know, the, the euthanasia pods. You know, you can just right. go and so these, a pod. And, this, yeah. So this is, the whole idea is, you know, if you, if you can't, you know, produce more than you consume, and then, you know, they're going to make your life miserable and make you want to kill yourself by denying you painkillers and other, you know, bullying tactics. And uh, this is... Uh, you know, it's just a totalitarian uh, system. It's very efficient. It's a lot of, it's very cold and logical, you know, be the minds that made up the system, the technoc- technocratic system. But we do, I do strong, I mean, I'm not sure if we go cashless completely anytime soon per se, but uh, definitely, I mean, surveillance, I mean, it's already at the point where, I mean, I'm sure they could easily monitor. They already are how much energy you're using and what you're using it on. With, Especially uh, smart smart home technologies as well. With with what you're saying there, they're they're telling us that it's more convenient going with the smart technologies, uh, smart thermostat, uh, smart meters, all those kind of things. It's more convenient, uh, and it'll also save you money uh, if if you use those uh, is what they tell us. But they, as you said, they they get to monitor everything you're doing, what temperature your house is at, how much water you're using. Uh, they can see the thing that people don't understand is uh, they they get a general like okay when you're at your place and let's say let's say um, COVID just happened okay and you've mm-hmm. had a smart meter for a little while or you know smart thermostat something like that the electric company not only does it know how much power you use on average uh, on any given day they know how much uh, water the water company uh, so your city or whatever knows how much water you consume on average now let's say there was covid that happened and everybody's on lockdown and they're monitoring how much energy you're using all of a sudden huh you're using about a person more of energy and water consumption right you're you've increased that Wait, there's lockdowns. You're not supposed to have those people there. So you could have a, an official knock on your door or you could have power cut or water or, you know, a, a fine or something like that. Right. It opens the door for a lot more fines. Well, it's not, it's just you nothing. could have. I, I think they actually did find people, at least in the UK. I, I remember seeing some videos for having more people in their household than they were supposed to and so on. They actually did yeah. enforce yeah. that to some they extent. Did. They tried and to do got, that in California, too, as well, I believe. Yeah. And you've got the Swiss government pushing a campaign, but they said they're not pushing a campaign, but they've got advertisements all over the place saying that if you're caught heating your home to more than 66 degrees Fahrenheit or 19 degrees Celsius, rat on your neighbor, call us, let us know, and we'll throw them in jail for up to three years. Yeah, yeah I think not uh, sure linked to the article. Actually, I was the one who found it for her, but yeah, she linked to the article not that long ago. That's one of the reasons I don't have a smart thermostat. Uh, just in case of that. Now, going to the uh, underworld stuff that's going on, I'm not sure there won't be some kind of loophole or something for those organizations. Perhaps uh, doing the shell corporations might still work. I don't. I don't know. There, there could be a loophole that they do that makes tracking those uh, groups difficult with the digital currency. The thing is, mm-hmm. with the digital currency. Maybe maybe there'll be a, a sanctioned crypto or something that not sanctioned maybe. by the governments, but sanctioned by the the uh, cartels and the you know unofficially uh, sanctioned. That yeah, maybe yeah. they'll make them all a uh, sovereign class. That's that's a possibility too. You might you might whether it's uh, officially a sovereign class or they have someone on the inside that's doing it. I I, I agree that. Uh, a lot of the ones in the overworld are running the underworld. I, I agree mm-hmm. that there's a bunch of overlap, but at the same time, even if it's somebody that's not involved in the, it, let's say the, the the person running it is just full on underworld and is not in, in you know, just normal. Right. They could still get access to it. The thing is, is when you digitize everything, you just have, you can have people that are skilled enough to go in and hack into the system and right. embed something there that, you know, you could have a back door or something that your corporate, your 
corporation or, you know, organization can use when it's, uh, you know, to do your corrupt dealings and whatnot and, and not have it tracked. There's ways around it. Even if there's an AI monitoring things, there's still ways around it. This is all still human uh, programmed. When you have a human, when software is programmed by a human, another human can crack it. Uh, it, it it's concerning, though, the way they're using AI. Um, they're, if they use AI to create the system and program the system, and they just kind of say, okay, these are the uh, th th this is kind of the the things we want, you know, the the um, qualifications or, or what have you. And then the AI programs it itself. Maybe that would be a way they keep people from from hacking into it. Uh, but anyway, that that's kind of a rabbit trail. Yeah, I was just going to say that, uh, you know, I, I do believe as far as I can tell, it looks like it's going to be complete totalitarian system. Are they coming for you? And is, uh, that, is that what's going on? Are they coming for you? Uh, I hope not. Okay, they're not. It's not me. Okay, we're good. <laughs> I thought maybe you had your house heated to, or your office heated to, uh, you know, above sixty-six degrees Fahrenheit. So maybe they were just well uh, coming to haul you away. Fortunately, I got the cool on, and it's not it's not being used right now, so I'm safe. Fortunately, I, mean, I guess the people across the street aren't. But anyways, <laughs> I was gonna, I was just gonna say, I think in the present totalitarian system, it could be that you know, even though for years, in fact, for many decades, including you know, of course, that whole Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, pedophile ring thing. Because, you know, intelligence agencies have worked with the underworld. Uh, you know, it's been very tolerated and, and the overworld has worked with it. But it could be that there may need be no more need for an underworld, you know, once uh, technocracy is fully implemented. Especially, I mean, if you, like, if you read, like, you know, communism, for example, if you go into the, that, you find that eventually, uh, supposedly, once socialism is fully achieved, there will be no need for any government. Because you know that's the sort of the tool of oppression, and then, you know there's no more going to be it's not, there's no more oppression anymore. So you don't need the government anymore. That was uh, like the end game for communism as well. And so, so you know, I don't know. I guess I guess it's an unrelated thought. But what I was thinking was that you know there may be a, a point where you know there's no no longer useful to have another world as that's, well. Although maybe a, we're talking too far off in the future. That that is a very interesting point. You know, if if you were to look at the type of socialism that was implemented under uh, Nazi Germany, you know, under, under that rule. If you're to look at uh -huh. the crime rate, I'm just talking crime statistics. If you're to look at the crime rate in Germany during that time, it was the lowest in the world. And why, why is that? Mm -hmm. It's because of what you just mentioned. There was no criminal underworld because the criminal underworld was running things like that. So yeah. it's not needed, as you say, when, when you get to a certain point. So yeah, maybe if the... Uh, if the technocracy is fully implement, implemented. But again, you know, I, I hearken back to, uh, to to what they're doing. I mean, that's going to put a lot of people out of business. That's a lot of mop ups that they're going to have to do. Uh, and quite frankly, I think they're having a hard enough time trying to keep this rodeo together uh, already. I mean, and that's not including a market crisis that we're going to be dealing with in the very near future. So I I, I don't see it going well for them. I, nonetheless, I think they're going to try. Don't, don't misunderstand. But I, mm -hmm. I don't see it succeeding in the way that they think it's going to succeed, if that makes sense. I think they already have elements in place for uh, having the elite be those same criminal organizations. And, and as an example, uh, you, you brought up um, Epstein. Uh, I, I think mm. that's a great example because you look at Maxwell. Uh, yeah. She's in prison for traf uh, trafficking girls that were underage and... Uh, she trafficked to no one. Apparently, apparently there was uh, it was she was just trafficking. You know, nobody was uh, partaking of of that uh, uh, big scheme that she had because right. there's been no other arrests. There has been no other uh, you know investigations into the people that uh, she trafficked for. Uh, so it, it, it's interesting that um, she's being punished. But uh, what about the people that she trafficked for? So. Yeah, well, point. they gotta punish I, I somebody, so they you know they punish lower level operative, and they don't punish the actual people who are really behind it because <laughs> they're let's, too important. Um, they're and they're really behind the other let's, world. Let's get to that clip that we couldn't get to last week when you were on the, the two thousand eight January two thousand eight clip. Yeah, um, do do you want to explain what it is what that we're about to hear? Please, you sent it in, so please explain what it is because <laughs> okay, I, I think I it goes. I think it goes to to a larger point. We're talking about how these groups would have to eliminate certain people. If you're a, a ruling class, if you're an establishment, and you've got people that are public figures sticking their own necks out, talking about things that they're up to, they can't have dissenting voices like that, especially ones that reach people on a mass scale. 
uh, or on a, you know on a mass on a mass level or or what however you want to put it. So the question is, and I, you know I was one of those guys that I heard uh, I heard Alan many years ago talking mm-hmm. about these issues, and a, a lot of it you know it aided in in waking me up to to what actually goes on in the world and and how the game is played, if you will, for for lack of a better analogy at the moment. And that kind of raises the question, you know, not only him, but a lot of these other guys that are out there that are speaking, why wouldn't they just bump them off? Why wouldn't they just knock them off? So this clip has to do with that, doesn't it? Right. This clip is Alan explaining to a caller why they wouldn't just knock them off. And he goes into the, you know, Patriot Radio business, how it works, how it is a business that was set up by the CIA. And basically, you know, and the, the majority is always the target. He goes into how the majority is the target uh, audience. Like as long as I can get the majority um to be asleep to not wake up, they really don't care about the occasional individual who wakes up so much. And they can because there's so many ways. Like if you, like so so if you usually okay you say I, okay I, I hate this system. This system is evil. I'm not going to go along with it. Well, there's so many ways they can distract, disrupt you, including by people close to you, by people who maybe are involved in similar sorts of movements that you are. And that's why, you know, that's why he mentions in that talk. But he also goes on because the caller goes on to say, OK, ask, okay, how do you think they're going to call us? And this is 2008, January 2008. And he says, uh, well, it's, I think it's going to be a pandemic. And I think after that, you know, that pandemic come, happens, I think uh, the forces are really going to come out and you're really going to see, you know, agenda escalated in a big way. And so I thought that was very prophetic for January 2008. And again, he got that from reading things like the, the strategic trends program thing from Britain that he has linked on his website and stuff like that. But yeah, it's so he didn't have a crystal ball, but he, he, you know, the agenda, I mean, it is told to you if you know where to look. And you got Chris from Canada. Are you there, Chris? Hello, Hello. Alan. Yes. Hey, um, how's, uh, I have a question for you. Um, I don't wish to cause any offense, but I was wondering, how is it that the New World Order does not act against uh, public figures, not unlike yourself, mm-hmm. who are speaking out against them and, uh, you know, to, to stop this information from being released? Oh, they will. In fact, they are. Are they? Oh, yeah. You, you, you have no idea when I come under, uh, when it comes under what kind of attacks I get put towards me here. Or even groups trying to start up in the U.S. trying to get me off the air. You you have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Okay. And this is, this is all the time. Yes. The yeah. Okay. I, I'm not probably the only unauthorized person to, to get up this far. Uh, simply because I couldn't be ignored anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so the information you're putting out is, is, you know, of the quality that they can't really stop it? That's pretty well it. Yeah. I'll be back after these messages. Hang I on, Lord. Hi, I'm Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the Matrix. This big, thick piece soup around us. And we're cutting through pretty quickly, and people are noticing, which is good and bad, because when you do cut through it, you will take hits coming back at you, especially when you're making a difference. And uh, Chris from Canada was talking there. Are you still there, Chris? Uh, yes, I am. I was about uh, coming against you. Yeah, they do come against you. And I'm sure something bigger will come this, this year. Um, they try a whole bunch of different ways to get at you, uh, legal otherwise. You know, and so you have to try and keep squeaky clean. Can you be more specific about uh, things that they've done to try to impede you and stop you from, you know, fighting the good fight like you're doing and releasing this wonderful information for us? Oh, there were there were some groups in the U.S. You'd understand there's a what was called the Patriot Radio business in the U.S. was started up in the '60s, and a Toronto Star article. A few years ago, it was a half page on it, gave the history of it. And initially it was started up by the CIA. They gave the history of it and, and they put Christian front groups up, groups out there to, to try and fight communism with counter propaganda. And personally, I don't think they really ever gave them up. Why would they give up a great tool? But unfortunately, you have so many schisms within those groups there that they can be easily used by someone that's well-known or powerful uh, to go after someone and harass them or get a campaign going to get you off the air. You know? And they do things like that. But it's always one leader, and the rest are always followers. They're called the useful idiots. They don't think too much. They have no peace in them. If they were real Christians, they would have peace beyond understanding. But these people literally need causes. And plus, the culture of the U.S. was given heavy doses of militarization. That's been all through their, especially the Hollywood era of propaganda. And so they couple militarization, like hit men for Jesus or SWAT teams for Jesus, you know, 
with 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 the, the military, and uh, so you have all these strange mindsets out there that can kind of dangerous at times too, uh, and you get you get death threats from some of them. You know? So you get lots of, of threats and things like that. You get the death threats from from the ones who are on the fringe. There's always a fringe group on every, and every group there's always a fringe on the outside uh, with the ultra paranoids that get fixations upon you, and they'll stalk you, for instance. And you take these things seriously. You have to. You have to chase them down before they come to you. I have had people up here looking for me. Really? Uh huh. And um, why do you think the new world order uh, like doesn't completely just you know eliminate people who are speaking out against them? Because this must see the whole show. The whole show of the new world order through propaganda and gradualism has been very gradual, step by step, up until now. Is to be is to fool the majority of the public. That's their target. Uh, they worry about the minorities, but the majority is always their target. As long as they can convince the majority, everything's okay. If they start wiping out people who are speaking out, even the majority would get the wind of something being very, very wrong. You see? Yes. So they try to leave that as a last resort, if possible. But they do do it. Uh, they, they, they wiped out James Goldsmith in England who came out with a counter-movement to pull Britain back out of the European Union. And because he had name, fame, uh, intelligence, and enough publicity, he was wealthy too. In other words, he could do it. He was being listened to uh, when he came out with his book called The Trap. Uh, he died within a few weeks of a, of a rapid uh, onset of pancreatic cancer, and he was dead in two weeks. So, so they're not really so concerned about the uh, the fringe movements, and you know the truth movement is so small. Is that why it's not really being targeted so much? And the truth movement can be well manipulated too. There's so much confusion within it. I mean, number one, there's no there's no idea of what they actually truly want collectively. They're all fighting within each other for for different ideas, and they don't see the big picture at all. They only see their little paradigm of the box they live in. And what each one really wants is for their particular little box to stay the same way until they die. Just don't make it get any worse. Just stop right here. Other ones want to go back to a previous time when they think it was better. Uh, there's a whole bunch of ideas. And other ones want to get America back. Now, the industry has been moved out of America. How would they support themselves? And not only that, they don't even think through the next problem. Since the United Nations is primarily funded by the U.S., and was, was promoted and set up by the U.S., even from, from Woodrow Wilson for the, for the, for the League of Nations, uh, they would be classed as a rogue nation if they pulled out now. And the other UN countries would then have to go to war with the U.S. See, nothing has been thought out at all uh, in any way, shape, or form. And you have confusion there, and confusion feeds uh, fear, and, and fear makes them fight each other. There's a lot of infighting on with different groups, you know. So do you think they caused the infighting and caused the uh, splintering? Absolutely. You always uh, divide and conquer uh, as standard techniques. And they have put out so many provocateurs in the past uh, to do this, and it's not a hard thing to do. And then they do smear campaigns. Even on the politicians, you'll see that all the time. That's standard in politics. You get smear campaigns. Uh, well, they do the same thing with people who can make a difference. They try. Because it's the general public who, do, who don't take much convincing generally. They don't go into facts, details, or question, or even check things out for themselves. They, they just uh, accept what they're told. So uh, and, until they, realize, they actually decide and uh, discuss what they all have in common, what all their interests happen to be in the, mainstream, the main agenda, uh, and then come together, then of an idea of what they're fighting for, and what they want to save and keep, and what they want to throw away. Back with more after these messages. Hi, I'm Alan Watt, cutting through the matrix of deception, and just finishing up with uh, with Chris, mentioned talking about uh, what happens and do they come against you and so on, and yes, they do come against you. I've had the brake lines cut on my car in my last place, and I used to be on on radius ten years ago, and um, other things happened to me too, uh, which were just uh, bizarre. It's something you could even go to the cops and tell they would never believe you. I did have a, a phosphorus bomb put down my chimney from my helicopter one night. So this is uh, actively ongoing, then? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you don't get a minute's peace here, and you have to watch every car that pulls up here. Really? Uh-huh. Also, um, um, I was wondering about the fact of, you know, the, the big date of 2012... 
Mm-hmm. Do you think that that is some special date where that's really going to they're really going to implement uh, you know eliminating the population by that point or is it going to be well, 2012 was picked 2010 is for the complete amalgamation of the Americas to be up and running. Uh, 2000, I was done at the free trade negotiations way back in the 80s, decided that. 2012 was to be the implementation where you have the free trading blocks. They're also implementing the trading blocks of uh, the Far East, the Pacific Rim. And the United Nations is to take over and become raised up to its status now as the world's policeman, the sole, the real policeman and real government that oversees everything by 2012. So by 2010, they're actually going to, it's going to be officially the American Union. Yeah, have one in fact, that was even stated in Canadian television, CBC, in 2005, when they, they told you they had uh, uh, another uh, one agreement to sign per year, and that they had, um, they had five to go. And uh, when do you think they're going to begin uh, doing the, the culling of the herd, the, the mass um you know, killing of the population. Uh, slowly they've been doing it with other means and for all our lives, actually. But uh, I think they'll bring out pandemics. I, I, you know, all this stuff to do with putting barbed wire around little ports on the Great Lakes and stuff, that's all to keep people from moving in or getting out. Now, this is all containment policies we're seeing right now getting set up. That's nothing to do with terrorists. These are all con- same with all the gunboats. They put a whole they put fleets of them on the Great Lakes. They're heavy caliber machine guns can punch through thick steel. Now that that's not for terrorists or for the average fisherman that's drunk on his boat without a license. That's for that's for populations in a panic trying to move. So do you think they're they're just they're going to keep a the keep quiet about it? They're just going to slowly be implementing these things, not actually have a, a mass like reveal themselves for what they are and, and create an overall panic in the world. It, it will reveal itself when they release the pandemics. Then then you'll see all these forces that are set up going to action. So they're all they're ready to be you know come into effect at that point. Yes. And then it's all going to be as you know, for lack of a better term, all hell is going to break loose. That's right, and that's why the, the, the Department of Defense for Britain uh, gave out this 90-page report on 30-odd years of, of riots and chaos. That's all they predicted. They wouldn't tell you why that would happen, but they obviously know the agenda. They know what they're going to implement to cause it to happen. Uh, food's going to go out of sight. Um, transportation's going to go out of sight. There'll be curfews. There'll be, there'll be cordoned off cities, areas, roads. And the pandemic is beautiful and it can spring up in one place, die down and spring up in another. So they can keep changing the containment points. What do you think they're waiting for? What is their, uh, their agenda? Uh, the, 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 full implement, the full readiness of, of the forces to take care of it all, manage it all. And they will, they will probably, it was Rockefeller that said, uh, a speech in California, he said, because we're complaining about the United Nations meddling in the U.S. affairs, and he said the day will come, he says, when you welcome the United Nations troops in America under the right circumstances. So all that's been dealt with, too, which forces will be used, when they'll come in, etc., etc. And um, do you see, so you don't see a clear time frame where that's going to happen? Well, as I say, the Department of Defense see it starting anywhere from 2012 onwards, uh, and so it'll be just a gradual escalation. As I say, it's an age of chaos. That means all types of chaos will be implemented. It's primarily funded by the U.S., and was, was promoted and set up by the U.S., even from, from Woodrow Wilson for the, for the, for the League of Nations, uh, they would be classed as a rogue nation if they pulled out now. And the other UN countries would then have to go to war with the U.S. See, nothing has been thought out at all uh, in any way, shape, or form. And you have confusion there, and confusion feeds uh, fear, and, and fear makes them fight each other. There's a lot of infighting on with different groups. It was rather lengthy, but it was very relevant, especially to... Yeah. But you said that was in 2008 that he said January that? 2008. 2008. Yeah. And here we yeah. are, 2022, or 2019, rather, is when all this began. Mm-hmm. Everything that he said as far as the implementation and the process of like it, just referencing COVID and, and the series of other crises that we're now seeing, food would be non-existent, transportation would be non-existent. Uh, you're going to see them turn the uh, the pandemic on in one area and off in another, and they'll take uh, b- measures that they use there, and they'll put them over here when the two don't seem connected. Yeah. He, he had it on the money. That's exactly what they're doing. Go even earlier than 2019, though. Uh, he was talking about the age of chaos. Look at what the Obamas did with uh, Civil Society 2.0. We, we were triggering unrest around the world. You, you had the, um, the Arab Spring that happened. That right. was something that we yeah. triggered. 
uh, our our DOD. So he he was right there as well. In fact, I think that happened before 2012. Some of the stuff that we were triggering. Right. 2011 uh, Arab Spring, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, it would have been even earlier because uh, Civil Society 2.0, what it did is it trained those people mm-hmm. how to uh, organize and how to. So it was like the foundations were already there, but the actual triggering of it was uh, later. Uh, so it, it, we've been seeing it. And then, and then, of course, we had Benghazi and, and other, which was uh, gun smuggling, gun running. Um, you, you had other events that uh triggered about that time period and it's just it's only escalated since then um look at the current administration as as a another example which i think this administration the things they're doing now are things that were intended to be done during trump's administration uh i don't think he was supposed to win um and he did he he overcame the margin of cheating uh and and won so he Kind of put a, a threw a monkey wrench in their in their system in their plan. I think we would be further along. I think we would have seen the pandemic and everything sooner than than uh, this year. Uh, but you look at everything this administration has done; it's only caused chaos, more and more chaos. Uh, look at the as an example. One of the first things they did was the Keystone Pipeline that caused a lot of uh, turmoil in the oil states. Uh, there's a lot of people that lost their jobs that, that, you know, for, for the Keystone pipeline itself. And then you look at Afghanistan, uh, and the pullout we had in Afghanistan, that was an immensely poorly planned. That was horrible, uh, in, in the execution of that plan. Was it? Um, it, that, that's my point though, is it in their mind, it was done correctly. Everything he's done has been a failure to bettering America, but has been exactly on plan. It has been, you know, executed uh, spot on for for what their their goals and their plans are. Uh, and in fact, some of the people that were I just seen this article yesterday, I believe people from that event, Afghanistan, some of the refugees, as they called them, that were not vetted. That the government was pulling out, there was an instance of uh, rape that happened here recently, and a beating of children in New Mexico. I'm wanting to say something, something like that. So uh, it just caused more chaos. You you bring in more, uh, for a lack of better term, uh, fodder for the the chaos for generating the chaos. People they can you know dupes they they they'll come in and do the chaos that they want and and get thrown under the bus at the same time. Like they'll they'll get taken care of if you will. Um yeah, it's it's um going as planned. Yeah, it's an interesting point you brought up the immigration. You know that Bricker and Ibbotson book that I'd mentioned in the last podcast we did. It actually at the beginning of the book, they you know they talk about well why is this book being written by two guys in Canada and then they were saying well you know Canada is such a multicultural society and they they they're such a model that when it comes to that you know bringing in new people because they have that aging population you know their fertility rates down and so on and so they can still be resilient because they they're willing to accept all these new people. Yeah, and they basically said in that first chapter of that book that you know, the United States has to do the same, otherwise we're not going to be prosperous. It makes you wonder, okay, who who is actually going to benefit from this? You know, all this labor, this free movement of labor, especially when you realize that there's massive professional classes in India and China and so on. These people, it's not just low-paying jobs that they'll take. You know, you know, if you let free immigration come in, it's going to be a lot of professional jobs and so on. So you know, it's a uh, it's crazy. Doctors, um, IT professionals, higher up positions in corporate America. I'm glad you brought that up because this is one issue that we've had with our worker visa program in the United States. It's called our H-1B visa program. The problem that we were mm-hmm. having before was we were training them overseas and then they were going to work over there for an American corporation, as in, for example, a company would move like a call center over there or something. Well, it's different mm-hmm. now. What's happening now is that through H-1B visa programs, they're bringing them to the United States and they're displacing the people that are in the companies already, the American workers that are in the companies already. The people that they're bringing in are doing them for a third less of the money. So the American corporations are saying, well, we don't we, we don't need you any longer because we've got the person here who can do it for a third of the money and they'll send all the money back to their home country. You, you remember the, uh, I think it was a World Economic Forum video uh, talking about... The CEO of the future will be someone from Syria. Um, yes, today's refugees are tomorrow's CEOs. You're absolutely right. Yep. Yeah. 
and you know, a large part of this, uh, you know, they don't want the a large part of that they don't like uh they don't want the same uh they want sort of like a nomadic culture. I think Jack Satali talks about this in his book, A Brief History of Future. You know, they don't want people to have a strong sense of national identity. They want people who are sort of nomadic, they'll travel to wherever, you know, the business opportunities are. And they don't really have any particular, you know, strong allegiance to whatever their country of origin is. And so I think that that was probably part of the reason why the, the tomorrow CEO is going to be, you know, the refugee because uh, they want people who have, you know, don't have that national identity, the national national ties, uh, you know, because nationalism is obsolete. I mean, technically, you don't even have countries anymore, as as far as we can tell from how they operate, and they're all doing the same thing at the same time. It's just the public haven't been it hasn't been explained to the public, and so I think like when Alan predicted that oh the the North American Union is going to be completed in 2010, sure he was wrong in the sense that you know officially publicly no it hasn't been completed. But I mean, if you look at like you know Mexico sending up firefighters to fight Canadian forest fires instead of using firefighters in Canada who would happily do it, you know, stuff like that, you realize that we're, we're all pretty well integrated, you know, to a large extent already, maybe not completely, but certainly to a large extent. And, and it really, it's just not explained to the public at all. Well, it started, I think, with NAFTA under Clinton, the NAFTA agreements right. where we had the, uh, the super highways that connected Mexico, America and Canada. And like the, the shipping just, it, it just started flowing uh, across, uh, mm -hmm. across borders. And the whole, I mean, I, I remember back in, I want to say it was like the mid 2000s or something, they were talking about creating the North American Union and creating a currency called the Amero to rival the euro. Right. I remember them mm -hmm. talking about that. That was in the, the the main financial networks back then. And I thought, what? What was what all that about? And that was the plan, yes. Uh, but it never did come to pass, at least not publicly. But it ended up being exactly that, you know, behind the scenes as far as like deals and trade agreements and things. And, and one of the reasons why Alan thought, you know, that they didn't uh, do that publicly, he mentioned this. Uh, he says, you know, they the idea of a country is very useful if you want to... Uh, you know, wage a war. Like if you want somebody to go fight for a cause, it's something vague like the United Nations. There's not that many people you know, they need something more than just, you know, being paid, you know, being a mercenary. They need, you know, some sort of a righteous cause to fight. And it's much more easier to, you know, get someone behind a cause if you're you're fighting to defend your country or fighting for the security interests of your country or allies or, you know, people who benefit your country or whatever, than it is to just, you know, fight for the UN's giant, you know, this global monstrosity. And so I think that's uh Part of the reason why they never actually openly declared a uh, North American Union, even though, you know, in effect in many ways, it's it's already here. You know, you mentioned uh, uh, NAFTA there. Mm -hmm. uh, do you know that's actually obsolete now? Yes, yeah, the UNMSCA uh, thing, United States-Mexico Canada Agreement. Yeah, on trade. replaced it. Yeah. Uh, I'm only just now going over the details yeah, so that I don't know I was, the depth of what it does. I was, it's uh, basically, all I was doing they, was they, referencing the start is, is all like, right, that yeah, was right. meant to, that was started under Clinton. I mean, it was supposed to say, oh, well, look, right. see, we've already done all this. So we need to merge more and more and more. And yeah, well, I, I will say, I, I think there's a little bit of a, a hiccup when it comes to, uh, immigrants, at least here in the U S mm -hmm. the, the, the hiccup is when you look at immigrants that come here, they tend to be. Uh, when they legally come here, I should say, uh, and they go through the process, those individuals tend to be the the most patriotic in, in America. Right. They believe yeah. in the ideals the most. Absolutely. So even though they may be getting people from out of country that that were educated out of country and then having them move here and they can, you know, pay uh, pay them less. Even still, they they hold to the classic ideals of America, uh, whereas the population doesn't hold, you know, the in mass right. hold the same yeah. level. So it, it, it kind of, it, it's kind of, um, I don't know, a, a, a catch 22, I guess, in their case, as far mm -hmm. as the elite, because they're, this is the thing they want to do. But at the same time, you still have the idea of America. You haven't been able to smash that out yet. You haven't been able to squish it. And I don't, I don't know that they can't as long as we hold to it, you know. Well, I, I think that it also piggybacks onto what you were saying, Weston, about how the uh, the nation state, it doesn't exist anymore, especially if you're to look at the political agenda side of things. Mm -hmm. But I think part of, uh, or excuse me, I think a big piece in in that breaking of that, uh, of the nation state, 
as in breaking the individual of having a connection to the land, to the country of, of origin, uh, to patriotism, th these types of things, making that break, they know that there's going to be a vacuum in there. There's going to be a cultural vacuum. And so mm -hmm. you notice that they've been trying to replace that with, uh, with like these other uh, identities, right? So it's they're trying to replace it with groups of things like the LGBT movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, Antifa, the, these groups. They're trying to make it to where, okay, you don't have an identity with this thing anymore. You don't have an identity mm -hmm. to the nation state. You don't have an identity to patriotism or to cultural values. Now you have to figure out what group you belong to. That becomes your new identity. And you notice each one of these groups are now getting flags, right? Every group has a flag. If you yeah. notice, that becomes your new banner that you unite under. Uh, and it's, it's under that. That's just my opinion, but it, it seems to, it seems to fit the bill. Don't you think, or, or do you think I'm wrong? I would say, you know, that's definitely, you know, part of it, you know, uh, these international movements, uh, you had that, what was it, uh, extinction rebellion and stuff like that. You know, part of that stuff is to, you know, you have, of course, there's always been international movements, but you know, it's definitely, they're supposed to go beyond, like, for example, even the Black Lives Matter. I mean, you had protests going on in, in England and Ireland and stuff, you know, for something for George Floyd, which happened in, you know, America, really you know, completely different histories, you know, but uh, yeah. Yeah, so you basically have these, you know, big, uh, well-funded, you know, revolutionary type movements that uh, are, you know, I wouldn't say that they're there to play, place national identity per se. I think that, uh, you know, you'll have, you know, maybe a city identity or maybe you'll have a, a regional identity or mm -hmm. something rather than a national identity eventually in the future. I know that was part of the defense report that Alan had read was that, you know, eventually I'm sure there'd be a world government for a time, but eventually it devolved into city states. But what they were taking, there's already a world conference of mayors, a world conference of mayors. It actually already yeah, exists. Yeah. That's, um, that's interesting. Uh, have you heard about um, Tri-State City yet? I have not. You have not. Continue on there. Let me see if I can if I can pull up a map. This is what they want to do okay. uh, in Europe, but that yeah. goes exactly to what you were talking about. So yeah, continue on. Yeah, because they, they have the, the mega cities, the smart cities in particular, which is, again, it's going to have massive surveillance technology everywhere. But, uh, you know, in the city, the government is going to start to become more and more important. Um, and so eventually, you know, you'll start more identifying with what uh, your city you're under than you will. Because, in fact, again, that's another thing that the United Nations and other groups keep on telling us is that urbanization is increasing, increasing, increasing. And more and more people are getting off the land and moving the city. So, you know, the urban areas are more important and more central to people's uh, lives and their identities and so on. This is basically what they want to create in the center there, all the way in, in the center over there, you see uh, Amsterdam. And this is mm -hmm. one of the big things that uh, has been the uh, the focal point of the Dutch farmer protests in the Netherlands. Like 67% of the farmland up there, which is in the hands of private farm owners, it's all going to be mm -hmm. appropriated by the government because of, quote, nitrogen yeah. emissions to fight climate change. And so uh, right. you can't farm that land anymore. And yet this comes out. And this is what they want to do. This would go along with what you're talking about is in identifying with yeah. regions and, yeah, and city, city states. Yeah. Region. Yeah. And instead of a, because, uh, you know, sovereign, I think is that, you know, nation can't be sovereign. And if it, if it can't be sovereign, it can't be control of its borders. It can't really be a nation. You know, if you can't control, you know, you can't have any tariffs. So you can't, you know, uh, promote your own goods and so on that you would export. So, you know, it's, uh, I mean, in fact, you really, it's, it's not even allowed with all the trade agreements, the free trade agreements and so on that we've already uh, signed and are under for decades now. But they still, the nation state's useful, like I say, you know, for certain, uh, get people behind certain causes and wars and things. So they kept it. But really, I mean, I can't imagine that they, they'd keep, continue to keep it forever, especially, you know, as the, as the populist movements, you know, become uh, more and more widespread and more and more people start joining it. You know, I think, you know, uh, they'd have to. I mean, they wouldn't have to. I mean, I think it's I think through demoralization, you know, just you know, degeneration of the culture and people getting old and dying off, um, which is already happening in many parts of the world. Uh, without you know people being born to replace them, um, you know, 
it can, the relationship would just sort of fade away and the politicians would just sort of fade away and eventually they won't have to have the politicians, you know, talk to us because, you know, it's the people writing the scripts, you know, why, why can't we just hear them speak? Why do we need the politicians anyways? Um, I ask myself so, that question every day, to be honest. Yeah, so, I think, why do we so have to listen to these people? Why do we have to look at these people? So, you know, I think, you know, it's it's delayed the public knowledge and, and acknowledgement of, you know, the end of the nation state. But I mean, as far as, I mean, the best of my ability, I look around and as far as I can tell, it's gone. I, uh, At least it's not from the people's hearts. That's the only that's the only place it still, it still lives. The people's yeah. hearts. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, dear fellow, we are uh, we are out of time. But uh, I want to thank you for coming on again this week. It's been an absolute pleasure. Again, mm-hmm. Weston, cutting through the matrix.com, I encourage people to visit your website and go through the collected works of Alan Watt that you manage and maintain. Uh, with another uh, with another fabulous young lady that I got an email from answering. Oh, she's not young. Answer, she's old. Uh, all women are twenty nine. <laughs> After they're twenty nine, they're they're always twenty nine. I mean, that's that, that. My grandmother told me that, so that's the way it has to be. Um, okay. <laughs> but uh, no, I uh, I encourage people to uh, to go and visit your website because there's a lot of fascinating content on there, uh, and it's it's really uh, it, it's been an eye opening experience to uh, have guys like Alan Watt uh, aid in in my awakening, your awakening, uh, and many others around the world uh and you manage his uh his collected works over there and so i encourage people to uh to visit your site thank you for having me on and will we be doing this again that's up to you you're welcome here um uh, next week the same time if you like that's entirely up to you or right, we can then. work out another yeah, time. I'll, I'll be happy to go on i'll be happy okay. to go on Fair enough. Uh, we look forward to having you back next week. For those of you who'd like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We hope so. And we do love having you as a listener. And we would humbly ask you to pass us along to five friends. That's all, just five friends. You know someone you're trying to wake up and get them to think on their own? We would appreciate it very much if you'd send them our direction. It's been a pleasure, gentlemen. I want to thank you both for being here this evening. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great evening.